Welcome back to another episode of Insights Unlocked. Today, user testing's Sean Treiser talks with Uptop's Deborah Roberts about bridging the silos that can often occur within teams and departments. They discuss a range of actionable tips, including using structured collaboration, using visuals like journey maps, and making sure to tie it all back to business goals. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing, where we bring you candid conversations and stories with the thinkers, doers, and builders behind some of the most successful digital products and experiences in the world, from concept to execution. Welcome to the Insights Unlocked podcast, recording live at User Testing's The Human Insights Summit, taking place in Seattle, Washington, this last week of August, 2023. I'm Nathan Isaacs, and joining us today as host is Sean Treiser, design strategist at User Testing. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, Nathan. Our guest today is Deborah Roberts. Deborah is a senior UX designer at Uptop. She has worked on projects that range from large online retailers and B2B technology companies to healthcare and fashion, and even ran her own women's fashion line. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thanks for having me. To tee up our conversation, we asked UX researchers and user testing's contributor network their thoughts and tips for bridging the silos that can often occur within teams and departments, especially in large organizations. Here's what they said. As we conduct uh, a meeting every week, uh, what it does is two things, yeah? So what it does is, uh, first of all, it creates sort of a very friendly environment and very uh, sort of a great environment so that the, both the departments, the research department and design department can communicate with each other, can feel comfortable with, with each other, sharing their information, sharing their processes and everything. I'm really building out like a research repository where it's not just for researchers, but for anyone who needs to see what are we learning, what are some of these insights, and also like using that to like have a discussion. So there's ways to comment on things and to use that to put together um, you know, like reels or highlights and so forth, and then share with people. Where I work, there are hella silos, the technical term. I'm sorry to say the solution I came up with is is, hell, is like hella meetings, just like meetings all the time. Lots of talking about work. <laughs> um, and um, it's a lot slower, but people can be brought on board very early. I find designers... Um, uh, you know, appreciate that very much as well. I paused there because I wasn't 100% sure about engineers. Um, uh, definitely slower, but I feel like people feel like it's more fair, kind of like democracy, actually. <laughs> um, um, well, first off, I think for me, having regular meetings and frequent meetings and um, communication is so important just for building alignment. Um, especially if it's across different teams and departments, but that can also be time consuming as people referenced. Um, So I find, especially when you need to pull other people in across departments, that having a more structured form of collaboration can be really helpful and make you a little bit more efficient. Um, We use tools like we use FigJam um, just internally to collaborate. Um, If we're doing intake on a project and we need a place to kind of physically collect um, intake materials and leave each other notes, but we'll also use it to do structured workshops for our clients. And it can happen at different stages of a project. Um, But it's been a really great way to kind of get people together from different parts of the organization. We lead them through these structured activities where sometimes we are reviewing research that's happened. 
We might be reviewing user journey maps or persona, personas that we have edited or built out. And it just gets everyone on the, on the same page, especially at the beginning of a project. It can be so helpful because you might be starting a big initiative, like a whole website redesign for a large company. And people, it's like, where do you start, you know, and where are the limitations and what would be if we're doing like a phased approach, what would have the largest impact? How do we build out that roadmap? So that process for us has been really impactful and a way to have, again, this like larger um, kind of cross team way of communicating and bringing everyone on the same page. And then you can break that into like your smaller project team as you're like kind of moving, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know being on the same page is uh, kind of a turn of a phrase, but it's also literal here, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you are collecting up all of your documentation and your conversations and workshops into one whiteboard that can be referenced over time and asynchronously. Uh, I think that's super powerful too. Um, I'm with you. The comments in the highlight reel, while interesting, I think we're pointing to more of an, an innate need uh, to have really good, consistent, frequent communication. Yeah. I don't know that anybody wants more meetings on <laughs> right. their calendar. Um, but there are some fantastic techniques, many of which you've listed, uh, that we can use to make sure that everybody is literally and metaphorically on the same page. Um, but let's wind it back. I I'd love to get your thoughts on why these silos exist in the first place and what's at risk when uh, we just kind of let them exist? Yeah, I think it can come down to a lot of different things. Many of the silos I've seen have been departmental in nature. It, you know, different teams are working on different things. They may be literally working differently. They might have different budgets that have been allocated. And I think from that, sometimes there can be resentment, especially when the, the budget's involved. Um, also, one department or team's work might impact the work stream on another department or team. And so if you're working on this initiative, let's say to improve the user experience, you know, someone on the sales team or like the tech team who's actually going to build it out, they're going to be directly Im impacted by that. So I think sometimes that's how, you know, some of the nature of how they can occur. I think also from leadership's role, how they talk about other teams and how they tie what their particular team is working on to the overall goals of the business. So if you're just focused on the one thing that your team is working on, you might miss the bigger picture as opposed to, well, we're, you know, the arm, this other team is the leg and together we all need to, you know, work together to meet these objectives. And I think that having that frame of mind and having that way of speaking from the top down can be, can sometimes work against um, the silos and kind of that us versus them mentality that can occur. Totally. Yeah. We're, we're in the business of creating consistent and compelling experiences. Our customers don't care who built this piece or right. that piece. <laughs> All they want is uh, a, a clean, simple experience that, that they can have clear expectations about how to get what they need done. Right. Yeah. Um, and these these silos actually can introduce friction into that experience inadvertently, despite everybody having uh, hopefully the same best intentions, right? Right. Yeah. And then I think going back to the communication, being a third party, an agency, we come in and it's sometimes very obvious that people have not been talking to each other. And, you know, it can become apparent, like when we're even when we're waiting for intake materials, if we're needing data or, you know, information from another department, it can sometimes take days or weeks to get things. And they might 
not have the same stake or ownership in the project, you know, and so they might not feel um, that maybe the what's the word, the initiative or just the the need to get it, you know, together quickly. But um, it can really slow things down. Totally. When yeah. our teams are gold differently, measured differently, um, it's easy to introduce m- misalignments of, of incentives and, and how we do right. our work. Um, so let's talk a little bit then about how we get folks organized and rallied around this ideal state of a truly customer-centric experience. Um, I, I believe, you know, let's take that communication layer. How do we communicate the importance of all driving in the same direction towards customer-centric experiences? Yeah, I think, you know, coming from a UX perspective, it's really important to tie what we're doing and the customer's experience back to the business KPIs and the business goals and kind of illustrating, okay, if we have this for, let's say it's a digital website, you know, customer experience, how is that, how is that impacting our goals to increase revenue or bring in new customers? And who are these people that are coming to our site? You know, so I think showing the value of talking to customers, developing personas, Building out, I found that visuals can be so impactful. Um, I really love user journey maps. I think it's a great way to break it down and look at step by step in the process of when um, a customer or user starts engaging with your digital experience. You can really see, okay, here is a big pain point for them. And okay, what's happening at this stage? Who are they interacting with? What are they looking for? Are they on the website? And also what's happening internally, almost like a service. We sometimes have been doing this, not like a formal service blueprint, But as we get to know our clients and we start to talk to stakeholders and we hear some of the internal things that are going on, we'll actually start to include that onto the journey maps that we're building. So then we can see, okay, at these like really sticky points for the user or customer, what's happening internally? Is that having any impact? And then again, bringing it back to the business case and saying, okay, if we fix this, we're going to make our internal teams more efficient. We're going to save time and money we're going to improve the customer experience. They're going to be able to find what they need quicker and that's going to you know, lead to bigger revenue. So I think, um, again, connecting those dots and finding a, a visual that can somehow communicate that. So a journey maps one way. Um, I think also showing, um, having like a reel or a deck that you can share easily and that's easily digestible that shows like quotes from from interviews that you've done. That can be super impactful to just hear it from the customer or user's mouth, like, this is what I'm experiencing. And that just goes a long way, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's amazing how m- much clearer we can communicate with visuals involved. Yeah. Um, especially video where there's a human expressing emotion. Our mirror neurons start firing without <laughs> even thinking about it. And all of a sudden we have, well, real empathy for the person on the other side of it. Um, I'm hearing a few benefits kind of wrapped up in your suggestion here. It's clear communication, uh, the ability to sway teams and make decisions about the KPIs to affect. Um, But uh, in my opinion, one of the most important benefits here is reframing business problems from the user's perspective, right? right? Doing it in a, a journey map sets us up thinking about, well, uh, what is the very first touch point that our customers have with us and what is that impression that they have? And the second we start uh, in their shoes, it's only natural to continue down that path and start asking more customer-centric questions, right? Yeah. 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 
Reduce your average sprint time and get your products to market faster with continuous customer feedback from user testing. Whether you're launching a new product or prototype, get real-time video feedback straight from the source. Digital product teams leverage the user testing human insight platform to help them make their most critical development decisions, always putting the customer first. Target your exact audience, ask questions, and get a window into their world. Your teams are building better products and experiences that your customers love. To get started, visit usertesting.com slash audio. Well, um, love the tips there. Get visual, share your customer's perspective. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on leadership's role in that. Um, a lot of teams uh, are just kind of starting down the path of building a customer-centric culture. Um, I'm curious how you see them gaining a foothold and what advice you'd have for getting leadership involvement in building that culture. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I think in, in our experience or my experience, um, it helps to start small. So it's like you might have this big vision of where you want to be, but instead of just leaping towards that, figure out like what's a small chunk that I can tackle, that I can make a success and I can have some quick wins and I can show how that's impacted both the user experience and the business. And then you can use that to get internal buy-in, whether it's your you know, if you're working from the ground up and you need to kind of take that to your direct, you know, your supervisors to get leadership um, kind of on board, I think that's one way to tackle it. Um, I do think that leadership, again, definitely has a large role to play in hope, you know, trying to help that you know, move the the um, the company towards a more user centric and user focused um, business. Um, I've a lot of clients well. Not a lot. I see some clients that we work with, they don't always have UX teams. Um, they might be investing heavily. We've worked with a lot of um, B2B companies in the tech space, and they spend a lot of money on acquisitions. And sometimes those acquisitions have not been folded in into the, the site experience. And so you end up with this kind of disjointed experience. And it can be, you know, kind of a bad customer experience because it's confusing. Um, we had one client that came to us and they had this, this essentially this scenario happen where they'd invested a lot of money in acquisitions and they wanted to get um, funding to do a website redesign. So they had us do an envisioning sprint. And what we did is we looked at the research they had done. We focused on one of their key personas and we got a bunch of stakeholders together from across the organization. And we, we had them go through, we reviewed the research, we reviewed the journey map. And then we had them go through design activities with us. And this, these were people from, we had someone that was an executive. We had people representing the design team, the solution product team, the marketing team, copywriters. So they all participated in um, design explorations through these kind of structured activities in the workshop. We then, as a team, took that internally and built out this clickable prototype. And we made a short little video that was narrated and kind of walked you through the customer experience, looking at the future state kind of North Star of what their website could be. And they used that to kind of share that around internally. And they ended up getting buy-in and funding for the website redesign. So that's another approach is, you know, if you don't have, you know, a lot of budget, or you don't have a lot of internal buy-in, again, making it tangible, showing like, okay, this is our current experience. This is what it could be, you know? Um, and that is really powerful. 
Oh, I love that. Um, making it tangible and kind of setting a foothold, taking yeah. kind of baby steps of improvement. Um, while that can feel uh, like you're focusing on small stuff in the scheme of this whole journey map that you could be improving. Yeah. It, I, I think uh, it's super important to address one piece at a time and show impact like you're sharing. Right. And what's helpful with that approach, too, is then it gives you a place to work back from like, OK, this is where I want to be. But then from that, you can create a roadmap and you're like, OK, okay I'll start here, you know, with these you know designs um, or these features and, you know, functionality. But then I can build on it. And it, it's helpful, I think, to be able to prioritize that way. Well, and it's fantastic that you have leadership involvement from the start as well. Of course, we all know having a diverse set of perspectives in a workshop always leads to better outcomes. Uh, but certainly bringing the company leadership along for the ride, um, there's not as much, uh, I guess, justification or, or backcasting to be done when you're right. then acting on the the explorations that you've done with the team. Totally. And also I found... Um just involving different departments, you know, not just leadership, but I found that a lot of people um, have a lot of, they have a lot of opinions and it's something that they, cause it, you know, often impacts their work in some way. So someone on the solutions team might have a very specific idea about how they think the website and their products and solutions should be presented. And, um, and similarly, someone in copywriting might have a very particular way about how, what kind of language they want to use, how much language or how much, you know, messaging they want to have on the site. And so, again, bringing them on early in the process just ensures that they feel like they're they're being heard. You're taking their you know viewpoint into consideration. If you decide to do things a little differently, you can explain why. And it just makes it a lot easier to bring them along for the ride. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Giving people a chance to kind of like offload these ideas and these dreams that they've had for their right. product or their experience, uh, you know, of course, we we care about our work. We're, we're here to improve our customers' experiences all the time. So uh, there are tons of great ideas just floating out in our organizations waiting to be captured. Um, so I love that you've kind of prioritized that early in the process to then uh, permeate through the rest of your workshopping and the, the deliverables. Um, I'm curious, uh, given that you're in this agency environment now, it's a, a slightly different relationship to manage when you show up and invite executives and it sounds like a whole variety of folks from their team into this process. Yeah. Um, what tricks do you have, if you have any, for, for kind of introducing the customer perspective from the get-go? It's a great question. I um, can't remember if I've mentioned this previously, but one thing, well, one thing we start with is we often do the stakeholder interviews. So we work with our the main owner of the project um, to kind of identify, okay, who are who are the people that we need to talk to to have a, a full understanding of the project? And then are there other people also that are just important to bring along? You know, they have maybe um, a key stake in it or they might have a lot of opinions on it. And it's like from a strate strategic point, it's like we want to bring them on early. Um, so we'll do these interviews. We'll kind of ask them um, what how this initiative will impact them what they think is important about it, any insights they have, um, what success looks like to them, things like that. So we'll, we'll actually include that often as a part of the workshop. We'll go through the different stakeholders' um, insights. And I think that's helpful even for just everyone to see, oh, like, you know, 
Kevin or whoever <laughs> is really concerned about um, having this particular data point captured or um, this technological like uh, capability or this feature and functionality. Um, so we'll review the stakeholder insights, but then we'll also go through the research. So a lot of times lately we've been doing what we're calling alignment workshops, and it really is focused on the research. So it's reviewing insights from interviews that we've done with users or the customers and it's reviewing their, so their qualitative data and then also any quantitative data. So insights we've gained from surveys, um, insights from their analytics if they have that um, on their site. And then we'll put it all together. We'll take all of that and we'll review then the personas. Sometimes they have existing personas. Sometimes we'll be creating them. And then we'll look at the journey map. And the journey map is often, again, where we really tie it all together. And I really just love it for showing how it connects all the dots from how where they are in their journey, how they're engaging with the product or service, um, wh like what's their goals, what questions do they have, what are their pain points, what are, and then it just helps you to figure out the largest opportunities too um, and gaps in the experience and then that part I just I just becomes so tangible for people and we've had a lot of aha moments for folks. Um, we were working, there was one company we were working with. It was a um, insurance company in the healthcare space. And we were looking at an internal tool that they were using and the process of generating a quote. And there was a lot of back and forth internally between all these different um, kind of internal personas, really. And the executive had no idea. It was bouncing around between so many people. And there was a lot of inefficiencies. And he was just like, oh, wow, you know, like, we really need to make this better. Like, I, he, he was just so obvious. Um, when you saw it on the map, because it was like this circle, <laughs> it's just like going round and round. Um, so that for me has been, I think, the most successful way just to get people to really see what the the customer experience is. And then, and then of course, like the quotes and hearing directly from customers, the quotes, whether it's in the video, um, so you can actually hear what people are saying. It makes it a lot more tangible. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of an alignment workshop that's just totally rallying around what do we already know, yeah. right? Because there is there is almost always uh, a sea of knowledge about our customers just not being shared or documented. Uh, so when you give people a chance to to, to both share, document, and then engage with each other in synthesizing that information, I'm sure it can be really powerful uh, kind of aha moments. Oh, definitely. I think, too, I've seen, in, in especially in larger organizations, there's often a lot of research that's been done, but it hasn't been tied together. And so, again, people feel, I think, a little stuck. It's like, okay, we've done all this research, but where do we go from here? Like, we know we have these problems, but like, what's the first step we can take in making this better. So that to me is a big thing is just bringing it all together, connecting the dots and then figuring out your roadmap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're not coming in and saying this is where we need to start. You are helping the collective land on that yeah. starting point and take the first step together. Absolutely. Uh, that's really powerful. Um, so I can't let you get away without the topic of our times. I'm curious what you think will be the highest calling for AI and ML technologies in the experience research space and how you think that space will change with this influence. Yeah. Well, right now, I mean, I'm using AI and like, you know, just in, in like the transcripts have definitely gotten better. Um, and like the you know interview summaries, that's definitely been been better and helpful. 
I use it as a starting point as well, like when I'm starting a research plan um, or even like figuring out my what questions I want to ask in interviews. I'll sometimes just, you know, throw it in chat GPT, see what comes out, you know, and build off of it from there. So I, for me, that's been a big time saver, just kind of helping to form my research plan and outline. And of course, you know, looking at what I'm not just taking what's given to me, but I then, you know, pair that with the knowledge I have and experience I have. Um, it would be great, I think, in the future if it could help to analyze large sets of data to pull out some of the key themes. In my experience so far, it hasn't always been accurate um, in doing that right now. And so it's not something I would trust to do that because I think things get missed. And I think that for me is, is like the biggest risk. Like sometimes um, with data, like we're so focused or we can be focused on the larger themes but sometimes there's kind of like these outsider, you know, things that um, facts that emerge. Like we were working with this major retailer and looking at their return experience. And we did this large set of customer interviews and a, a couple people in each region there noted they had some mobility challenges and they didn't think it was fair that they had to pay a fee for a pickup um, service when they were returning an item. Um, and it was, you know, kind of difficult for them to drop it off, which was the free option. And even though that was just a couple people, I thought that was really important to note um, and capture. So I think with AI, that's the the risk that I've seen or thought of is that, you know, I don't want to miss those those nuggets, you know, that are really important data points, but um, they're not seen in the larger audience. Absolutely. Yeah. At the moment, there's uh, the technology tends to generalize, especially right. when we're dealing with kind of uh, one-dimensional data, right? Yeah. That's when we're at risk of hallucination and uh, the technology filling in gaps that we humans might pick up on. Yeah. Um, uh, personally, I'm also really excited for kind of the the triangulation of data and and data streams that we humans aren't so efficient at processing yeah. <laughs> um, to be able to pick up on that. But I, but the the outliers and the edge cases are just as important. Right. I, I hear you. Well, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. It's really exciting to hear about the problems that Uptop is solving and, and all the ones to come. Uh, for folks who want to learn more about Uptop, where should they go? Uh, so you can go to uptopcorp.com and you can also check me out on LinkedIn at Deborah Roberts Design. Okay, Deborah. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and we'll look forward to, to having a chat soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find the show notes at usertesting.com slash podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, this is Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing.